Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome everyone to episode 162 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Taporic and today we are going to talk about Jabari Parker who signed a two-year $40 million deal with the Chicago Bulls on Saturday after the Milwaukee Bucks rescinded his qualifying offer. So we'll talk about it from the Bulls perspective, the Bucks perspective, and then we'll also touch on some of the other recent signings, Shabazz Napier, Channing Frye, etc. Before we get underway, a reminder you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handle, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're now being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter at AlmightyCasts. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's going well, Brian. I'm pretty excited for France and yeah. you know, the sports of France, not just for winning the World Cup, but they have two young budding superstars uh, named Killian. You have Killian Mpape, who is obviously uh, a football player who just won the World Cup. And then you have Killian Hayes, uh, a upcoming point guard slash shooting guard who is currently, I think, 16 years old. And I've been looking at this dude uh, for a couple of months now. And I'm looking forward to like the twenty. What would that be? Twenty twenty one draft. Twenty twenty two. That dude is going. He's he's everything Penny was going to be. Interesting. All right. Well, there we go. We have something to look forward to in three years. Uh, I was just worried about the World Cup final tearing the Sixers apart between Dario Saric and Timothy Luwawu. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So congratulations to TLC. Condolences to Dario. Uh, please, if if TLC doesn't get traded this summer, please hack out your differences before training camp so we don't have a <laughs> World Cup holy war on our hands. Um, so, more, I mean, we, we're just going to spend most of this episode talking Jabari Parker. The news came out. It started to leak out Friday night that the Bulls yep. were nearing a deal with him. At the time, it was unclear whether uh, it would be as a restricted free agent because Milwaukee had not rescinded his qualifying offer at the time um, or if they would rescind it and he would be an unrestricted free agent. Milwaukee did end up rescinding the offer sheet, which allowed the Bulls to sign Jabari to a two-year deal worth $40 million, second-year team option, which I think changes the perception of the deal, at least on my end, uh, much more positively. Mm -hmm. So let's just start with the value. What do you think about getting him do you think they overpaid him are you less upset about that because they have the second year team option just give your give us your thoughts just about the monetary aspect of the deal first well i i can never get upset at a one-year deal which this essentially is so here's the thing we don't really know if it's a team option or it's a non-guarantee like it's been reported as a team option but the media has a tendency to report things as team option, whereas in reality, it's a non-guarantee or partial guarantee. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. usually comes out a little bit later on. Um, so we don't really know. Either way, it's team control. Right. Which is the most important thing. So I don't mind the fact that he's going to earn like yeah, something around you know 19 to $20 million this year. Mm-hmm. No, it's a one-year deal. doesn't matter. Doesn't matter one one bit. I mean, what were the Bulls going to spend the money on anyway? Yeah, they were probably going to try to get a, you know, a bad contract on the books for a draft pick. But if mm-hmm. that deal wasn't there and they wanted Jabari, then fine, that's their their right to do so. And and look, he's not without intrigue. It's it's a legitimate talent in, injection to the Bulls. Question is, does does he fit 
with the current team? We don't know. But that's looking at it from a monetary uh, perspective, as you asked me for. It's it's fine. Absolutely yeah. no problem with a one year deal to that money. That's fine. Yeah, that's where I stand too. Uh, I wrote something at Fansided about it yesterday, right after the news broke. Um, yeah, I mean, even you know, even if it was a two year deal, with fully guaranteed, it's not the end of the world because it's not. Joaquin Noah, right. it's not Luol Deng, it's not Timofey Mozgov. Like every time we make fun of a really bad contract, it's we always say it's the length of the deal more than the monetary value of the deal. If you're yeah. a two year deal, it would not be the end of the world. But as you said, it's a one year deal. Who gives a shit? Like if if completely worst case scenario, Jabari busts out. He either gets hurt again or he just doesn't fit next to Markkinen and Wendell Carter, and then they let them go next summer and they have all of their cap space it does no long-term damage to the franchise they're taking a one-year gamble on a former number two overall pick who you know before going down with his second year acl tear is averaging 20 points a game and his three-point percentage has gone up significantly in the past couple of years like there's there's talent there to gamble on um i've seen a lot of the two big questions monetary wise i've seen are a why did they give him twenty million? Because the Bucks couldn't match somewhere around twelve million, um, but they're hard capped because of the Ersan Ilyasova signing. They used the non-taxpayer mid-level exception on him, so they can't exceed the apron, which is around one hundred twenty-nine million. So, you know, if they, you know, if they didn't rescind the offer, and if it was really going to be a bidding war for him, why give him that much more? When mm-hmm. you know, why not sign him to? 15 million or so and then they still couldn't match unless they made a trade and then at that point you're still saving 5 million for David Nawaba or someone else well that's because when you pay him 20 million let's assume they're basically preparing themselves for a Jabari Parker breakout Mm -hmm. so if he breaks out big time and then you just make sure that he's fully guaranteed or you pick up the team option whatever they decided it was if it's a team option or or not guaranteed they just pick it up and they play him throughout the course of the contract. So at the end of the two years, he's earned forty million. And that final year, let's assume it's about twenty million or mm-hmm. twenty point something million. Then he's got early bird rights after two years, meaning you can pay him one hundred and seventy-five percent of his last uh, actual salary in a contract year. So that's going to be his. Let me just think for a second. That's going to be his 2019-2020 salary yep. that you can. Uh, basically pay for up to 175% off. So mm-hmm. when he then hits the market in 2020... Yeah, 2020. 2020, yeah. 2020. You don't have to max him out. You don't have to go out and use all kinds of exceptions and whatnot. You, he's already in that salary bracket where mm-hmm. you can re-sign him using early bird. It right. makes sense. It's, it's actually pretty clever. Uh, as you said it before, it gives them an out initially after one year. Mm-hmm. So if he busts out, no problem. But if he becomes a real thing, then yeah, you can actually figure out that you know you can extend him or you can sign a new contract with him without any major headaches, which is interesting. The thing is, and I, I asked you this right before we started recording, like what do they do if he's okay, mm-hmm. but he's not going to be worth that money? So let's say he he's he, he may not ever be the twenty sixth guy again that he was. Uh, a little over a year ago, he maybe tops out at somewhat his of, of his career average. Like he's a fifteen and five guy, mm-hmm. like a fine player, like a decent starting caliber player ish, but not someone worth twenty million. Like after he's getting paid forty million over two years, like do have the Bulls then overpaid him so much that he'll be understanding when they go to him and say, you know what, we can't really keep giving you 20 million because your play is not worth that so right like what, what's the play there do you just tell him straight up that we're, we have a new contract for you but it's it's less and let's be fair we did you right like the mm-hmm. first two years like yeah. is, is will the goodwill come into effect there yeah it's, that'll be tough to say um i mean i think you know we saw that with the Sixers this summer with JJ Redick and Amir Johnson they overpaid those right. guys both so much last year that they took JJ took about ten million less than he did last year, and then Amir right. signed back on a minimum deal. That said, those guys are a lot older than Jabari, so if Jabari plays decently well, like if he avoids injury, he's mm-hmm. gonna have a free agent market. 
whether it's in 2019 if they turn down his team option or 2020 when he becomes an unrestricted free agent again. Right. Um, so I think, you know, it, it, at that point, it just depends on how much he likes being back on his hometown team, how much he likes playing next to Levine and Dunn and Markin and then Wendell Carter. Like, there's nothing prohibiting him from taking less money. You know, if the Bulls say, we're not going to keep paying you $20 million, we'll give you a five-year $75 million deal or a four-year $60 million deal or something. And, like, the Kings come out, they're like, all right, we'll, <laughs> we'll give you four years ninety. It's then it's yeah, just up yeah. to him to say, all right, well, you know, I, I could prioritize the money, or if I enjoy being on this team, being with these teammates, I'm gonna take a little bit less. But yeah, I mean, it's a it's certainly a dilemma. I think um, you know, going back to why they paid him so much this year, as you said, the early bird rights kick in in 2020. Even if they turn down his team option next year, they'll still have non bird rights on him, which allows mm-hmm. them to pay 120. percent So that's. 25 million give or take um his max will be somewhere around 27 so you know barring him just having like a victor oladipo-esque breakout he's gonna you know that that's gonna enable them to re-sign him whether it's next summer or the year after at least in terms of like matching how much salary he can possibly make um and also they were probably outbidding the kings I mean, we there were reports out there that the Kings were interested. Uh, Gary Wolfel of the Racine Journal Times, as the reports started leaking out Friday night, he said the Kings were interested. Their offer was close to what the Bulls were offering. Um, so it, again, it's it's maybe not they weren't necessarily competing only with Milwaukee, but also with Sacramento, who you know <laughs> they already competed with once this summer uh, with Zach Levine. So. Again, as we both said, it's a one-year deal. I just I can't get that worked up about it. The other criticism financially that I've seen before we go into the fit issues or potential fit issues, um, you know, I've seen people say, well, why didn't they just take the Denver Nuggets salary dump instead? Why didn't they just take the Fareed plus Arthur, get a top 12 protected pick? Or, you know, on our last episode, we ended by suggesting, you know, maybe OKC, maybe they carved out room to get Carmelo Anthony. Why didn't they... Right take mellow and get what you know some type of first round pick for jabari or sorry in the room they used for jabari why didn't they do that instead of signing him yeah um well i i personally probably would have gone that route instead mm-hmm. but i i can't get worked up about the way the bulls of youth is i mean look he's a 23 year old who has had success in this league, at least from an offensive standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, two ACA, ACL tears, that's frightening. Yeah. That's absolutely frightening. So there's absolutely a risk involved. But at the end of the day, imagine if that risk works out for him. Right. And they get a guy who is you know, a starting caliber player immediately mm-hmm. and who'll, who'll make them significantly better. And look, who knows? It, what if... Theoretically, if this whole offensive system actually works with him at the three, like mm-hmm. they play a very, you know, motion offense where positions maybe don't matter as much offensively, and then they just say, you know, screw the defense, we'll give up 150, <laughs> but we'll score 160. Right. Like, okay, you know, that's that's at least that's going to be fun basketball. Like, yeah. look, I'm I'm not going to lie to you. I had the Bulls so low on my league pass ranking last year. Oh yeah. Like. This year, just for the offensive purposes or the offensive potential, I probably have them in my top five. Yeah. This is going to be a fun team. Like, so much scoring. Yeah, they they will give up a lot of scoring, too. But you'll have you'll have so many games where you will have guys just going off on the Bulls and guys from the Bulls going off on other teams. Like, <laughs> right. I, I mean, I just I can't hate this. Um, but, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's I, w- I would probably still have gone, you know, with, with the Farid slash Mellow deal, depending on the pick, obviously. Right. Um, but, but it's... I'm not so in love with that idea compared to this one that mm-hmm. I'll make a fuss about it. That's yeah. just a personal preference. But it's overall, this is fine. The other part of it, like, if you had gone after Mellow and you had gotten, like, a 2022 pick, that would also have been fine. You would still have to suck up Mellow's contract. Right, and that would still have been huge, and you would have lost flexibility for a year. But like, it's basically the same thing. You lose a flexibility for a year, and that's it. 
You don't yeah. get a, a, a first-round pick out of this, but in, in the words of Gar Foreman, you get a, you get a lottery pick <laughs> right. anyway because yeah. you get a top-two pick. Right. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's fine. Yeah. The way I see it is there is – the Bulls are basically weighing whether Jabari has a higher chance of becoming a superstar than whatever pick they could have gotten in a salary dump. Right. And – you know, if they did take Melo and then buy him out, that's not making them better in this upcoming season. Whereas they hope Jabari does. I don't, I'm not convinced that he has a material impact on their win loss record. Like I don't think adding Jabari right. makes them a 40 win team and they're otherwise a 25 win team. I think just based on how young they are, they're going to struggle regardless. So I don't mm-hmm. think it might cost them a few ping pong balls but I don't think they would have been like a top three team. And now they're going to be like outside the top 10. Like maybe they slide from six to eight or whatever, but you know, the lottery odds are smoothed out this year. I just can't get that worked up about it. Like I, I, I there right. is Jabari is not like a negative asset. Not necessarily at least. I mean, he might health concerns and fit concerns. He might be, but like there's also a non-zero chance he turns into a superstar. It's a very low chance, but it's still yep. a chance. And if they feel like there's a better chance of that happening, then say if they take that Denver pick and Denver ends up sending like the number 22 or number 23 pick, the odds of finding a superstar there are very low as well. Yep, so, I agree. So you're just weighing the likelihood of the, all of these things happening. Like, I just, I don't know. I, I, I'm surprised by some of the reactions I've seen to this deal. Like, once I found out it was a second-year team option, I was like, all right, that's great for the Bulls. Mm-hmm. Like, good job. Mm-hmm. This is a great deal. I don't care how it works out. Like, it's worth yep. the gamble. Yep. Had this been four years, oh, it would have been horrible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that that right. was the big concern, right? Whenever right. we, whenever you and I joked about, oh, the Bulls are going to go after Jabari next, Yeah. that was with the mindset, oh, they're going to offer him like four years. Yeah, like four years, $80 million. Yeah, something crazy like that. And right. had that been the case, obviously, like – that that type of deal, that type of gamble would have been like an F minus grade, obviously. <laughs> right, right. But just being able to have control after a single season just puts it in like the B minus B, yeah, like category. It's 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 like it's not a slam dunk, but it's fine. And and here's the thing, I've said this is fine a lot, but it is. It's fine. <laughs> uh, Jabari has you know a a somewhat high floor. Yeah, at least offensively, like you right. know, he's not gonna be a big unknown. He's gonna produce. Like yeah. he, he can score, he can rebound, he can shoot, and he can play inside. Like mm-hmm. he, you have a lot of factors with him going on. And to his credit, like he actually did fairly well coming back at the end of of last season. Like he played thirty one games. Yeah, okay, he absolutely sucked in the playoffs. It was, <laughs> right, it was unplayable. Yeah. And I actually thought that would really hurt him in the free agency market. Yeah, well, it didn't. It did. well, well, I mean, he maybe probably, not the long term. Yeah, but, but he wanted a longer deal than a one-year guarantee. Yeah, but you're still getting paid like a $20 million. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, so that's fair. I, I can't look at that as a, as a bad thing. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, you're, <laughs> there's virtually no scenario in which he won't score like – know 10 points and grab five boards yeah that's oh obviously a very low no no but that yeah i'm just saying like that floor is there it's it's, it's gonna be more than that obviously right whereas like a a rookie drafted in the 20s like you don't know right like let's the bulls have one of those in chandler hutchison yeah. like we have no idea he could average two points next season <laughs> right yeah the, the i mean there's a chance like there, it's just you're playing probabilities at this point and they decided the probability of Jabari hitting is higher than the probability of whatever pick they could have gotten in a salary dump. You know, I'm going to give guard packs the benefit of the doubt and assume they explored all of those options before committing to this. I don't know if that's are, true. But. Are you talking about the same guys who basically always say, oh, there's no value in the draft I right. after about 20? <laughs> right, right. Okay. So yeah. maybe not, but, you know, I, I'm going to assume they at least sniffed around those deals before... Yeah. I would assume so this, too. but I would assume.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, let's talk about the fit stuff now, Mark, because we've yes, been alluding let's. to it. Uh, Woj reported, and Casey Johnson, I believe, also reported, that the Bulls mm. do primarily primarily plan to play Jabari at the three, not the four, which makes sense. They have Markinen at the four. They have Wendell Carter at the five, plus Robin Lopez is still hanging around there. They've got Bobby Portis and Felicio as backups. Like they've, Their front court is pretty loaded. Their wing depth, not so much. So mm-hmm. Jabari's slated to play the three. Um, Dan Favelli of Bleacher Report shared stats from Cleaning the Glass on Twitter uh, when this news started to break and the stats of Jabari at the three are horrendous. Yeah. Just like his net rating is hovers around a minus 20 most of the years that he's, <laughs> he's played the three. So wh- how do you think this is going to work more? Are you worried about the fit next to those guys? Do you think yeah. there's a chance he does fare better for whatever reason as a three in Chicago than he did as a three in Milwaukee? Um, first of all, be- before I answer that, there's a source you for- you forgot about there. Oh, who? The Bulls themselves. They put up a tweet. Oh, did they? Bas- yeah, basically, oh, like, yeah, yeah. totting out the projected starting lineup where right. they had Jabari at small forward. But- and also, interesting to note, you know who they had at center? It wasn't Robin Lopez. Right, it was Wendell Carter. That was interesting to me, by the way. I agree. Yeah, I had a semi. Not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> well, alright, so, yeah. What I'm nervous about is actually not the production. I'm really not nervous about that because I don't really care if the Bulls win games or not this yeah, year. Yeah, right. It doesn't matter. I am worried about the development of Laurie Markkinen. Mm, that is that is everything I'm concerned about with this thing. That is yeah. Laurie Markkinen. Because last season we saw a strong tendency with Laurie not getting the basketball mm-hmm. for extended period of time. Like Chris Dunn would go into a weird kind of mode where he would like try to prove himself as a scorer mm. or something. I don't really know what he was trying to do. Zach Levine would literally drive into double teams and take contested <laughs> jump shots over them. Right. Uh, with Markin and just standing outside waiting for the kickout. And with Jabari in there, Jabari is. His playing style is is very dynamic, but he also really loves to have the ball in his hands. Like he's just he not he's not solely a spot up shooter. Mm-hmm. Like he'll dribble into jump shots. He'll take at least five or six seconds to find the right shot by dribbling. So now you have Levine and Jabari, who are in many ways the exact same type of player. Right. Which is really concerning, because what about? Laurie. Laurie should be your guy going mm-hmm. forward. He's the one guy who actually has the potential to become like a franchise player. Right. In my opinion. I could be wrong. But looking at him play both in an international competition and how he fared in Chicago last year, like he has so much in his game that's just been squeezed out and realized yet. I mean mm-hmm. he is so fluid at seven feet with the ability to shoot like next year he would he's gonna hit like two hundred threes. For sure. Yeah. yeah I mean, probably. if he's quickest, healthy. Absolutely. Like, he was the quickest guy ever to 100 career, 100 career mate threes. And he's seven feet. And he, he started driving the ball really well. Like, he would even do Euro steps, like seven feet tall, and he would just maneuver in and out. So, it's just so crucial when, that when they get to training camp, they make everyone understand, you know, Laurie should not be the one to sacrifice here. Mm hmm. And that's where the, the addition of Wendell Carter is brilliant because yeah. at Duke he was kind of used to playing second fiddle, <laughs> right? That's or, right. or third or fourth or fifth fiddle even. Like he was just there, so he'll take you know the shots that are are left to him, and he'll be fine with that. He'll work on defense, and Lord knows we saw that he can be a difference maker defensively. Yes. Um. So here's my to answer your question in a, in more specific terms. 
Laurie Markkinen, with his particular skill set, is actually, offensively at least, he plays more like a three than he does a four. Mm. He's he's way more perimeter-oriented than Jabari. Mm-hmm. So what if, offensively, you switch them out a little bit? Like, oh, Laurie's still the four. Mm-hmm. Jabari is still the three. Mm-hmm. But, like, Laurie just kind of takes on the role of a three offensively in the sense that he's the guy who takes the Trevor Reza kind of shots. Like, yeah. he takes a lot of threes. Mm-hmm. He takes a lot of the finesse shots. And then you have Jabari working from, like, 15 feet and in. Mm-hmm. Like, in a more power-forward traditional role. So, basically, right. they still play their traditional positions, but you you really play to their strengths, which yeah. is Jabari from 15 and in and Laurie from essentially 15 and out. You <laughs> right. just kind of reverse it. Um, I, I mean, and then at the end, and at the same time, you also make sure that Jabari takes more threes overall yes. because yeah. yes, that's that has to be a, a huge component of it. But still, like, is is that an idea? I think that could maybe work. Yeah, I mean, I'm less, I'm much less concerned with their fit offensively than I am defensively, which we can touch oh, yeah. on next. But yes, because Markinen is such a good three point shooter and was a prolific three point shooter, he took almost six a game as a rookie, hit thirty six percent. As you said, Jabari needs to take a higher volume of threes, mm-hmm. but he shot thirty six point five percent in twenty sixteen seventeen, thirty eight point three this past year from three, on you know give or take three attempts per game both seasons. After like he shot. 51 threes combined in his first two years so it just wasn't really a part of the game so i'm sure under fred hoiberg it will be uh Mm -hmm. so they can basically run a four out system with wendell carter in there at center and then oh that's even a five out yeah right yeah that's true like it the the versatility they have on offense doesn't worry me all that much and in fact like having that many big guys like we saw it with the sixers last year so teams have gone so small that when you then flip the table and you're having a 6'8 Jabari Parker or 6'9, whatever he's listed as now, or you're having a, you know, a 6... No, Markinen's a 7-footer. He's a 7-footer. Yeah, you have those guys at the 3 and the 4. Like Teams just don't have the size to match up with that. So I think it's actually... It, it, it's going to be a mismatch for the Bulls offensively. Mm. Uh, and I think, you know, I have faith that that could work out. My concern with Jabari, uh, in next to Markinen and Wendell, aside from you know as you mentioned, Markinen just getting enough touches, the big concern is defense for me. Oh yeah, because Jabari has never been a good defender. Um, right. After the two ACL tears, he was among the bottom six in power forwards in ESPN's Real Defensive Plus Minus this past year. I mean, limited sample size, thirty-one games. The Bucks eased him back in. I'm not going to panic too much, but then again, we have a four-year sample size suggesting he's just not an all like an especially great defender. I just right. you know he the there's concern about whether the ACL tears have limited his lateral quickness, which was not especially great to begin with on defense anyway. And right. then you know par- putting him against fours, I feel like he has a little bit better chance of defending against traditional threes you know going around chasing guys off of screens feel like you're setting yourself up for disaster a little bit especially because he's going to be playing next to zach levine who is also a defensive mm-hmm. sieve so basically oh, yeah. wendell carter as you said he's gonna have to focus primarily on defense because he's that... gonna get so many blocks <laughs> yeah like that bulls team you said it well they're gonna give up probably 115 120 points most nights Oh yeah, undoubtedly. Like they have one defender in their starting lineup at this point in Chris Dunn, who's really, really good. Right. And and the reason I don't count Wendell Carter, he's nineteen. Yeah. He is going to make rookie mistakes. He is going to have to, you know, get used to the speed of the NBA. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he might rack up a ton of blocks and I think he will. Yep. But, you know, he's going to be playing against guys who are bigger, quicker. And, you know, competition he's never faced before. So, yeah. obviously, it's going to take at least, you know, 75% of the season for him to really get acclimated. Mm-hmm. And even so, like, he's, his real impact is not going to be seen until year two. So, 
I mean, I would be amazed if he was like a legitimate plus defender <laughs> at the age of age of nineteen. Right. I mean, most centers. It just takes most centers a couple years, honestly, to get used right. to all the intricacies of NBA defense. And that's mm-hmm. not, if if he does struggle early, it's nothing against him. It's a learning curve that most guys go through. It's like frankly yeah. unrealistic to expect them to hit the ground on day one and just be like an impact player right away. Right. But thankfully the Bulls have defensive stalwarts in, you know, Bobby Portis and Denzel Valentine <laughs> coming off the bench and Cameron Payne, obviously. Oh boy. So um yeah. No, uh, basically, you know, Robin Lopez, Justin Holiday, and Chris Dunn. Mm-hmm. That's your defenders. Right. No no more David Nawapa, it seems like. Yeah. I mean, Which, we haven't yeah. received official word yet. Like, Not officially, yeah. but Casey Johnson alluded to this is this is the end of, of David Nawapa. And this is me thinking, hmm, when you need defense so badly. Right. That, that guy could come in handy. Well, because, you know, Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer, before all of this came out, said, you know, they were planning to maybe use that cap space for a salary dump and then use the room mid-level on Nuaba. So we'll see. I mean, for their sake, I hope. If they don't do it on Nuaba, I hope they do it on a similar type player, someone who's going to bolster their defense because that's clearly the need at this point. Or so who's set. left who's from Chicago? <laughs> Dwayne Wade again? Oh yeah, Dwayne yeah. Wade, the, the, oh yeah, the 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 great defender Dwayne Wade. Uh, Okafor is still on the market. He's from. Chicago. Oh yeah, that's true. What is, what is it with the Chicago guys not playing defense? <laughs> <laughs> it's Duke guys, man. Okafor yeah. and Jabari both. Well, Derrick Rose as well. Yeah, that's true. Like he only, he was he had one good year defensively, and that was his MVP campaign. That's it. Yeah. I mean, Wade was a great defender back in his day. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lump him in there. Yeah, that's true. He did gamble a lot, but I get it. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, before we move on from the Bulls, I think it's now it's interesting because you know we we talked about they have flexibility next year if they want it. But Casey Johnson had a tweet about how they might be looking ahead to 2020 now instead of 2019. Like, they've been oh, yeah. hyping up this whole, like, we're going to be mm-hmm. free agent players in 2019. And now they may be looking at the market dynamics, as we've been alluding to in recent episodes, and they may see, like, uh-oh, there are a lot more guys on the... or There, there are a lot more teams that can create max cap space than there are max caliber guys. Like, maybe yeah. we should just chill for a minute, let our young group grow together, and then come 2020, we might have you know an enticing story to sell. But next summer, we're not like there's nothing that we can offer that's going to convince Clay Thompson to sign with us. Or they course corrected, right? The Bulls are converting. I, yeah, I, I think this it's is smart. like watching my son take his first steps all over. <laughs> it really is. I mean, I think it's like the smart thing to do. I think pivoting to 2020 would be the right play for them at this yeah. point. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I look. Here's the thing: they have just never, never backed off. Like when they made it publicly known that mm-hmm. they were going to be players in a specific year, they never backed off that year. Like they've gone through it regardless, right. because oh, we made a promise, right? Like, and even if it was the worst free agent class like out there, like to go back to t- 2006, like yeah, they got the best best uh free agent on the market but that was 32 year old ben wallace, ben wallace yeah <laughs> like right or even you know, like boozer in 2010 when they struck uh, out on lebron and wade they were like exactly well, we need to do something well actually they got boozer before oh, they got they? boozer right yeah they got boozer in hopes of luring lebron specifically because they oh, were, yeah. used to be teammates so there was <laughs> there was some something in there but yeah um but it, it's interesting to see them course correct they they've never been well, let's just be fair. They've never been good at doing that. Like they've never been fair, been good at at really reading like what NBA teams do. Like right. they've always been behind the curve. Like when everyone wants to space out offense, they sign Rashawn Rondo and Dwayne Wade. That, that's what they've done. <laughs> right. um, and and like yeah, for them to evolve, I guess mm-hmm. is very interesting to me. I didn't yeah. expect that to to happen. And at least I can appreciate what they're trying to do at this point. Right, and they, they, again, they still have the flexibility if they want it. Like, they could turn down Jabari's team option. I think the deadline mm-hmm. would be June 29th. So, you know, 
Lord knows no free agents and teams ever talk to each other before July 1st. We all know that there's no back to anything going on. Oh, yeah, if, yeah, yeah. if there were, the Bulls can get a sense of, all right. The market. Yeah, like, let's see which of these top guys are actually on the move. Is Kevin Durant going to leave Golden State? Is he interested in coming to the Bulls? Is Kyrie willing right. to come to the Bulls? And if none of those guys are, they'd pick up Jabari's team option if he plays halfway decent, and then they can roll it out back to 2020. So can, I'm so glad you brought that up. Can I? I, I just want to kill something officially right okay. now. Yeah. There are a lot of Bulls fans right now talking about Jimmy Butler and Kyrie Irving coming there in 2019. Oh no! Because here's the thing: like you know how it, those guys are apparently a package deal. Right, right, right. Look, Jimmy Butler hates Fred Hoiberg. <laughs> right. Hates him. There's yeah. no chance in hell. Unless they like, fire what? Hoiberg. Unless they fire Hoiberg, which they are not going to do. Yeah. They are not going to fire him. They are in love with Hoiberg. Yeah. Uh, I, I still don't get the the intrigue. I, there are a lot of guys on Twitter who are like, well, you know what? I'm actually glad to hang, hang on to, to Fred Hoiberg because we haven't really seen like him, him roll out his, every, his every know-how he's got in his offense. Like, he's had three years, and it's been like some of the worst offense in the league. Like I, I'm super down on Hoiberg. I don't think he's... I don't think he's an NBA coach. I think mm-hmm. he's a college coach, and that's it. Mm-hmm. But he's not going to get fired because they fired Tom Thibodeau. Right. That was, and that they were criticized as hell for it, especially because during you know Tom's lame duck season, Horberg's name was floating all around it. Like he did not get that job in in the best way. Like he came out looking really bad immediately, and the Bulls are trying to save face. Mm-hmm. So as long as Horberg is on. You know, Chicago's staff, Jimmy Butler, and thus Kyrie Irving is not going to get near the Bulls. Trust me, I would love for nothing more than Jimmy Butler returning to Chicago. Right. Jimmy Butler is my favorite player. Yeah. That would that would be a lot of fun. But that's not happening. Yeah. They're both going to the Clippers. That, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah. Oh, God. Sense. Kyrie Irving and LeBron James would share uh, <laughs> exactly a, a stadium again. Yeah. yeah. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, okay, let's flip now to the Milwaukee side of things because I think the you know the Bulls side is obviously the most interesting. But yeah. Milwaukee's handling of the situation is at least somewhat surprising. Like they, the decision to rescind the qualifying offer, I thought in particular stood out because they didn't have mm-hmm. to. I mean, they basically, they did Jabari a solid by doing so, and they frankly did the Bulls a solid by doing so. If they didn't rescind that qualifying offer, the Bulls would have to have inclu- or have to have given an offer sheet with at least two years not counting options. So there could not have been a second-year team option. They right. could have done it a second-year non-guaranteed, uh, non-guaranteed deal, but it couldn't have been structured exactly the way as it's been reported. So Correct. What do you think of the Bucks doing that? Why did, what do you think was their motive behind rescinding that offer? I legitimately have no idea. Like, <laughs> maybe maybe they were just trying to play nice. Yeah. Like and we and we were talking about we were making fun of this last last episode like no one does anything for just for being nice. Right. It seems like the Bucks just did. Yeah. I I just I cannot I've I've been really wrapping my brain around this. I don't really understand what they're getting out of this, except maybe, you know, look, the NBA is kind of shady, right? So we I I can go there. Maybe they just said, you know what, you know, maybe we scratch your back later on. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. you scratch ours in a different way, you know, yeah. Some, like a, a Godfather thing. Maybe the day will come, <laughs> right? And maybe the day will never come, but one day you may owe me a favor. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like it was just a goodwill thing. Like, yeah. we'll, we'll do solid by Jabari, and then his agent will remember that, and other agents will remember that. We're not going to hold this guy hostage if he doesn't mm-hmm. 
you know, if we don't think he factors into our long-term plans or he doesn't want to be here, whatever the case may right, be. Right, right. You know, I think the same thing to a lesser extent was going to happen with Nerlens and Philly a couple of years ago where, yeah. you know, there was a lot of like, why did they trade him for a fake first-round pick? Why didn't they let him become a restricted free agent and just re-sign him? He didn't want to be there. They didn't want him there. They did him a favor by trading him. Yep. It was as easy as that. I think it's the same same kind of thing here. Like, the Bucks have come out and said, we weren't going to match an offer sheet. So we and Jabari let... won in Chicago. Right. And Badly. so, like, so he they let Jabari's agents, like, work right. out a deal with Chicago. And then they said, all right, here's the deal. It's not legal unless you rescind the offer sheet. And Milwaukee said, all right, cool. We'll rescind it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's just kind of a goodwill gesture. But that leads to the next question of, well, why didn't they want to match the offer sheet? Or why didn't they want to retain him? Because he doesn't fit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it kind of sucks to say, but he doesn't. Um, Giannis is this all-world player who needs the ball in his hands and who averaged like 27, 10, and 5. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a ridiculous line, by the way. Yeah, it's like a 22-year-old or a 23-year-old. From a 23-year-old, yeah. yeah. And then you had Chris Middleton, who came into his own, averaged 20 points a game, five boards, four assists, and is doing so by you know, being a shooter and being able to play off of Giannis a lot. Mm-hmm. There's just no room left. Because right. you also had Eric Bledsoe at the point who had to get more involved. Mm-hmm. Like he, he did not have a strong season in Milwaukee, I feel. Yeah. Like he even though his stats are, are perfectly fine, it seems like his impact was just not there. And I think maybe some part of it was just fit. Mm-hmm. And Jabari being there clogging up a, a thing or two. Like maybe they just need to focus a little bit more on shooting. They can move Malcolm Brockton into the starting lineup like as a full time two I guess and then mm-hmm. play Chris Middleton at the three maybe that'll help just lock everything up a little bit more I don't know it's but but I don't think necessarily the Parker fit the whole process yeah I I totally agree with that I mean we've been saying that for what probably like a year now right that yeah, he's probably just a like, little bit more actually yeah like he just wasn't a good fit next to Giannis and I mean here's the thing when they drafted him Giannis, they didn't know what Giannis was going to become. Like Giannis is oh, a yeah. rookie, averaged seven points and four rebounds in 24 minutes a night. He started 23 games. So they didn't know he was going to become this future every year all-star possible MVP type player. So, you know, yes, you can argue if they were going to go down this road, why didn't they trade Jabari at the trade deadline? Or why didn't they, you know, we, we've often advocated for teams to re-sign players only to trade them later. They could have gone that route. But mm. as you said, maybe they just, they wanted to prioritize other things. And it seems like, like if they had re-signed Jabari, they couldn't, they wouldn't have had, I mean, if they re-signed Jabari at that price or matched an offer sheet at that price, they wouldn't have been able to sign Urson to the same deal they did. They would have instead been taxpayers. They would have been limited to taxpayer mid-level exception, which is five point three million. So they wouldn't have, you know, it would have been six million less for Urson, and they would have had to just change the order of operations. Basically, they wouldn't have had the biannual exception, so they couldn't have gotten Brook yep. Lopez. So it's not like they lost him for nothing. They right, right. They got Ursa Silva and Brooke Lopez, who right. are not insignificant names. You know? Right. And as you suggested, it's probably gonna those two guys are probably gonna balance out the roster better than having Jabari there would have. Like, as you said, there are just so many touches to go around. Mm-hmm. Jabari is a high usage guy. Ursan oh, yeah. isn't as much. Like he's just gonna mostly be a catch and shoot guy, and then Brooke Lopez can be, but yeah, like he's really stretched out his range in recent years. They're going to add more shooting to that starting lineup and off of the bench next to uh, Giannis and next to Chris Middleton. I mean, it's it sucks to lose a former number two overall pick, a guy who you thought is going to be a long-term piece of the puzzle. It sucks to lose him for nothing. I totally get that. But it's not, you know, they at least got something in the sense of, they got two rotation players who, you know, probably fit 
a little bit better next to their franchise guy. And that's really all they should be thinking about. For the next mm-hmm. two to three years, Giannis is signed through 2020, 2021. Their entire mission in the next three years is to, have, to do everything in their power to convince him to re-sign again. So yep. they need to just build a roster that makes sense around him. And if it means, you know, Giannis said he wanted Jabari back. Um, we don't know yeah, how but he... Yeah, Giannis is just a good dude. He right, wants yeah. everybody he, back. Yeah, he's not going to come out and say, you know, like, fuck that guy. I hope he gets no, cut. No, no, he's, yeah. he's just not wired like that. He wants every... Like, if, if if the Bucks roster could be a 53 people, he would go for it. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. So... You know, I, I I'm sure he's bummed about this, but I'm sure he's also going to look at the big picture and say like, "Man, we were starting John Henson at center last year, and now we've got Brooke Lopez for three million dollars. Like, we have Ursan Ilyasova off the bench, who's going to be a big piece for us. We we're going to be better on paper than we were last year, even though we lost Jabari. So, I think it 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 hurts. It's it's mm-hmm. like in terms of asset management." losing him for nothing hurts but there is logic behind it do you think you know well we've talked about kind of the the top three in the east being uh toronto boston philly in some order where do you see milwaukee fitting in to that next tier now that they lost jabari do you think they have enough to push past indiana do you think they can even crack that top three maybe it's all depends on Giannis. Yeah. I mean, look, Giannis is the engine here. Uh, Chris Middleton is is obviously great, but he is a complimentary player. He's mm-hmm. he's a great complimentary player, but like you just said, having this ability now to play, you know, Brook Lopez or Sanderlyasova, who are not high usage, who will just get buckets off of catches, that's actually going to speed up their offense. They're going to get more possessions because when Jabari milks the clock, dribbling in and out, looking for you know his space to to pull up for a jump shot mm-hmm. like all that goes away and you get more fluidity in your offense so now instead of jabari milking the clock you know you get a quick uh, pass out from Giannis from the post or whatever boom you know three point at from Ilias over or lopez or tony snell or whoever's on the court milton right so the the, the offense is going to move a little bit more smoothly you're going to get more high efficient shots as well mm-hmm. so i think Milwaukee's offense is and this is the east mind you if that is going to improve and let's also not forget that Giannis is going to improve as an offensive player uh, that, that's going to take them so far yeah. I wouldn't even be surprised if they're a top three team in the east at all yeah I wouldn't either I like Boston I think is the clear number one after that I mean Philly and Toronto have like they're on the driver's seat for those next two seeds, but it would not totally shock me. It's really, I mean, it comes down to injuries ultimately. But yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it wouldn't totally shock me if either Indiana or Milwaukee cracked the top three. And as I, said, I'm not there with you with Indiana quite yet, mm. but I, I might be in a couple months. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. They were, I they were five last year and they yeah. significantly improved this offseason. They, they did. Here's the thing though. I just I want to make sure that Oladipo is for real. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally fair. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's turn our attention then to the other signings. I think both of these were yesterday. Uh, we'll start with Shabazz Napier. He's going to the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> Two years, second-year team option. We have no idea how much he signed for. No one. I don't care. No one has reported <laughs> it. But it can't be all that much because they didn't have that much cap space. So we can yeah. assume it's if it's not the minimum, it's probably close to it. That's just ridiculously good value. Right? It's, a, it's like... <laughs> yeah. I my, I have to like amend my Sean Marks piece from Thursday to then also include the stupid Shabazz Napier signing. It's not stupid. I don't, no, I mean like <laughs> stupid in a good way. Like yeah, really stupid good. good. Yeah, okay. like really yeah. really good value signing. 
especially mm-hmm. after trading Jeremy Lin. Yep. Yep. I um, I don't really have anything to say, but yeah, I, Sean Marks is my new idol. Uh, he really is. He's he's just been superb. He's been superb, and I'm I'm not gonna go all the way into the whole you know they're a playoff team, yada, yada, <laughs> but but Brian, they might be a playoff team. Oh god damn it! See, I was literally about to say I started to see some like because it's the internet and because we can't have nice things, we can't appreciate just Sean Marks like doing a really good job and digging out mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm. trash heap that he was handed two years ago. I've now started to see like people, you know, people like me are saying, "Wow, Sean Marks is doing a really good job," and then people see that and are like, "Well, let's pump the brakes a little bit. They're still really far away." And like, I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team next year. I I think they're still probably multiple years away from that. I don't know that they multiple have a, years really. Yeah, I don't wow. know that they have a single player on their roster that's like a long term keeper. I want to believe in D'Angelo Russell. I don't no like i don't know that he's gonna be the foundation of that team i hope fair yeah but you know i like i I, jared allen is probably the closest thing to a guy oh he's yeah he's a keeper yeah i agree but like i don't know if he's gonna rise to the level of like top three option on a really good team but he might I've, you know, it's well, it just, doesn't matter if he doesn't like offensively. Right. That's yeah, you know, he's probably more like an energy slash defensive minded player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he will score. Like he's not like an, a liability offensively. But no, yeah, they he, they basically just have a bunch of right now until we see like what Allen's ceiling is. They have a bunch of really good role players. Russell could push past that. Allen could push mm-hmm. past that. Even like Karis mm-hmm. Levert could push past it. Rondé mm-hmm. Hollis Jefferson, Dinwiddie, like all these guys have potential but right now they're just a bunch of role players which is fine and it's the east yeah but like given what he was handed i don't know how you could have done a better job with what you know with right. what he inherited than what he did that's like that's the only thing i'm praising with the nets right now i'm not saying they're gonna be a 50 win team next year i'm just saying like he was handed a pile of shit two years ago he was handed mm-hmm. a team that did not have its first round pick in each of the next three years and those first round picks turned into Jalen Brown, and then the number one overall pick, Marco Fultz had a rookie mm-hmm. season to forget, but you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then this year as well, and it turned in number eight, Colin Sexton, which but they which they could have used on Kevin Knox or Mikael Bridges or whatever. Like they, if not for that trade, they could have had a team starting with Jalen Brown, Marco Fultz, and Kevin Knox or Mikael Bridges, and then that this Nets team looks totally different. But now. 2019 and beyond, they have their own first-round picks. They got a number two overall pick in D'Angelo Russell. Like, it's just, he's done a really good job. And this Shabazz Napier signing is just another, he's like working the fringes well, which is all he was able to do because he can't tank for picks because he didn't have any picks. And that, you know, being able to work the the margins is, you know, really the the, the most essential thing in team construction. It really is. Like, let's look at the Lakers. They get the best player in the game, and then they follow it up with, you know, Lance, <laughs> Rondo. Right. Like, if working the margins is the most crucial element. Yeah. Like, let's assume LeBron had signed to Brooklyn. Lord knows, Sean Marks would have, have created something around it that would have made sense. Yeah. Right, exactly. I mean, the hardest thing to do in the NBA is to get superstars. Mm-hmm. You usually have to do that through the draft and just getting right. lucky. But then after that, yeah, you're right. Like the difference between a dynasty and a team that flames out in two to three years is operating the margins well. And based on everything Sean Marks has done since he took over in February 2016, if I'm a Nets fan, I feel very confident about his ability to, you know, once they get that type of superstar talent, to build a competent roster around them. And you know, getting a Shabazz Napier at a minimum deal, like. It it makes me. I then turned to Portland, and we were confused when they rescinded his qualifying offer from the get go. But now, if he only signed for a freaking minimum deal, like man, yeah, Portland, yeah, like we, <laughs> they could have had both Seth Curry and Shabazz Napier backing up Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, effectively being able to mimic their entire system in the starting unit, right. 
Yep. Hope Myers Leonard is worth it, Portland. And Evan Turner. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, the other signing of note was Channing Fry is heading back to the Cleveland Cavaliers on a one-year, $2.4 million minimum deal. And, uh, Brian, I, <laughs> I'll look forward to the next episode. <laughs> I'm excited for Kevin Love. He's got a buddy back. Will yeah, Kevin's going to come back. <laughs> yeah, uh Sure, I can't really get too worked up about a no. a fifty seven year old power forward <laughs> you know, coming back to Cleveland. Yeah, right. Yeah, so uh, Matt Moore had a really good tweet where he was like, "I hope they now re-sign Richard Jefferson and then somehow trade mm-hmm. for Kyrie Irving, so we could just see, just to settle some debates, <laughs> just see how this t- Cavs team would do without LeBron James." Yeah, I I would agree. Like, do do you think Kyrie, you know, regrets? forcing the trade when he saw that LeBron was leaving just a year later. No, he knew. I I, I think he saw he the writing out. on the wall, and he knew, like, that Cavs team is just so screwed. Because, like, yeah. if he didn't leave, they weren't going to have the number eight pick. At least Colin Sexton gives them some semblance of hope in whatever they trade Kevin Love for. Will you know, they can retool much more easily than they did after LeBron left in 2010. Right, but had they not traded Kyrie, like they wouldn't have had the pieces to then do what they did at trade deadline too. Like that team would have been, they they just would have had no future. Like they had no good picks forever, and they you know they owed their top or they owed their twenty nineteen top ten protected first to Atlanta from the Kyle Korver deal. If Kyrie stays, if Kevin loves there, they probably don't give or they probably do give that pick up. Hmm. I mean, Kyrie might regret it in the sense that, like, he thought he was getting his own team in Boston, and then it turns out that... Hi, Jason Tatum. Right. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, that makes me wonder. There seems to be a lot of speculation about Kyrie Irving's future, and none of it seems to involve Boston. I know Boston people are very confident that he will resign there, but I don't know. This it wouldn't totally shock me if he's only yep. there for one more year, and it's why I'm surprised that they're not dangling him in Kawhi Leonard trade talks as of yet. Mm-hmm. Because it, oh, good lord! Like, what if they ended up doing that and and uh, Jimmy Butler signed with San Antonio? Oh no, that would be fun. Could they? Do they have the space to get both of them? Well, if it's a trade, then they'll just need to clear cap space for, for Jimmy. Yeah, I think, but they've got Lamarcus already. Uh, let's see. I I don't remember how much. I know Pow has a partially guaranteed deal in 2019. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how much, off the top of my head, is guaranteed. Let's see. Basketball Insiders. I mean, that would be fun. Uh, okay. quickest rebuild in history. Uh, that doesn't say. That's not helpful. <laughs> cool. Uh, where is it? I yeah. don't know. I could have sworn he had partial guarantee, but it's not listed on here. I thought it was like three million or something, or three or six or. Either way, uh, let's see. Yeah. Yeah, I they guess... they need to work it. I mean, absolutely, they need something needs to be worked. Yeah, they would have to like dump, at least dump. Patty Mills, most likely. But I have right. it here, by the way. I have oh, it you... here. He's see, yeah. It's basketball references. Actually, their contract section has really improved. Oh, good. So it's six point seven million guaranteed for 2019-2020. Interesting. Pop-Pop. Okay. Huh. And I bet. Yeah. I mean, Lamarcus is at twenty six million. Hmm. Even right now, if you look at their books, including Kawhi, it's a. Uh, twenty-one million dollar player option. They would have to get creative. They'd have to cut Pow and probably dump Patty Mills. But yeah, Patty Mills is the one they need to to find a way, you know, to move on from. Right. But but, but they really that. yeah they don't have any big salary commitments aside from that. So yeah, Marcus, Jimmy, Kyrie, big and the cap at that fun. point is probably going to be hundred nine. Yeah, hundred and nine. Yeah, they could make it work. Probably, it would they take, could. It would take some finagling, but they, yeah, you're right. Uh, it's at least theoretically possible. 
And Patty Mills would only have two years left of his deal, so they might not even have to give up a lot to get him off the books. Right. Yeah. Because it's not that big of a deal, and he is productive. He yeah, can he, actually play. He's not Luol Deng. Right. And there will be a lot, a lot of teams and a lot more cap space next year to burn. Huh. Well, there you, you go. You heard it here first, Spurs fans. We we finally gave Spurs fans a reason to be hopeful after your, <laughs> oh, well, uh, maybe Pops should get to retire. They could just start anew. <laughs> I'm trying to be positive, right? <laughs> All right, well, on that note, thank you all for listening to this episode of the NBA Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're now being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter at AlmightyCasts. Until next time, I'm Brian Tapork, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, Brian. Did Manu retire yet? (laughs) And there goes all the Spurs fans again. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 